Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me in all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Gospel. Thanks be to God. You know, there's some scriptures that will forever be in the King James translation in the minds of the world. You know, if you have your John 3.16 with its whosoever believeth, and then there's Psalm 23. Any other translation seems weak. This is the Lord is my shepherd, so I don't need anything else, is not the same. As the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My mind even has an English accent when I think of the words. And the pastoral imagery seems medieval. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I always have pictured an, like an English banquet in a, a castle type of thing, you know, like with goblets, you know, goblets. I'm holding a goblet and I'm toasting the Lord. But the strange thing is, when I picture me at this banquet, with the, at the table, with the goblet, I'm always alone. This psalm is so weirdly narcissistic. The Lord is my shepherd. Why not the Lord is our shepherd? I have this crazy image of like a Sunday school film strip, you know, that plays every time I read this psalm. The Lord, picture Jesus, the good shepherd. I know, what's Jesus doing in a psalm? Um, the Lord is walking beside a little blonde-haired kid with short pants and a cap. Then the Lord, Jesus, gestures to the green grass, and the kid lays down on it for a nap. And then the kid gets up, and the shepherd takes him down to the still waters, and he has his rod and his staff to protect the kid. But when I stop the film strip and think about it, I'm perplexed. Why do I want to sleep in the grass? And what's so great about being beside still water? And what is the difference between a rod and a staff? You know, does the Lord need both, really? And is like one in each hand? You know, and what does he do when he prepareth this, the banquet for me? 
Does he like awkwardly hold both of them in one hand while he's setting out the food with the other one? You know, and, and he, or does he lean them against the banquet table maybe? The image of this personal Lord following an individual around, attending to their needs, you know, give a place to sleep, food, water, protection, seems like more like, like kind of a dog than a god, more like a servant than a shepherd. This idea of a personal assistant Lord is clearly the result of recontextualizing this interpretation. The result of hundreds of years of cultural conditioning, making it nearly impossible to recover anything close to what the original audience heard. What is interesting is how our culture has read this text the way it reads it today is really reflects to us our own self-obsession. I mean, that we would paint God as our valet? What does it say about our culture that we would find the notion of a personal attendant, Lord, even appealing? The Lord is my personal shopper, and I will have many fashionable choices. He maketh me lie down on high thread count Egyptian cotton, he brings me still water, not sparkling. He restores my credit score. He turns traffic lights green to prove that he's with me. Even though my commute is horrible, I don't fear texting drivers. No, for you are with me. You manage your management of the traffic lights and parking spaces, they comfort me. You make sure my banquet is free range, organic, and locally sourced and my oil stocks rise, my wine cellars overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in a gated community my whole life long. I'm sure that if I were a shepherd or lived in a sheep-raising culture, I would get it more, it would seem different to me. Or if he was a shepherd, like, or if I was like a sheep, if I were a sheep, I'm sure it would have a very different meaning to me. But, you know, but then I might be thinking, hey, where are the other sheep? Where's the flock? Aren't sheep known for the flock? Or that, or that banquet looks good, but how am I supposed to get up in that chair and eat it? I can't even reach the table. Or, hey, shepherd, do you see opposable thumbs here? This is all cloven I'm working with. How am I supposed to hold that goblet? And why does he have both that rod and that staff? Of course, if I were a sheep, there would be some question about my ability to reflect on my own reality. But I digress. I guess if I dial back the critique a little bit, I can read it as a psalm of comfort. It is nice to believe that the Lord, that God cares for me, takes care of me, keeps me safe, and more than that, wants good things for me. Good food and drink and rubbing oil on my head, all like sensual comfort. That's what this psalm's 
culturally constructed meaning really is. It's comfort. I do a lot of funerals for people who don't have pastors, but have expressed desire to have a pastor perform a funeral for their loved one. And most have only a distant relationship with the church or with Christianity. Some have no connection with any religion at all, but want something kind of spiritual at the funeral. And I would say that I read this psalm more than half of them. Some of the time people specifically ask for it. Other times when I ask if they would like any scripture read, Psalm 23 is the only one they can think of. Sometimes when they just want me to make all the decisions, I choose it myself. Even times when the person who has died has no friends or family and it's just me and the funeral director, I still read Psalm 23, which is maybe a little surprising given my critique of it as a narcissistic medieval and maybe even silly psalm and that its cultural recontextualization of the interpretation is so pervasive as to make any recovery of its original intent impossible. But still, I read it. I read it, but when it's read in a funeral service, when heard in a funeral service, no one is bringing to mind the ridiculous images that I have conjured up. No one is picturing the Lord protecting them. No, read in a funeral service, everyone is seeing that the person that they love, the one who has died, the one that is gone, that they can no longer take care of or protect, their father or their mother or son or daughter, their child that they can no longer prepare food for, that they can no longer feed or comfort. Even as when it's only me and the funeral director, when the person who died had no one, it's comforting. It's more than comforting. It is loving and merciful to believe that they are no longer alone in pain, struggling, that the Lord is with them, not only protecting them, but giving them good things, a place to sleep, good food, drink, rubbing their head. It's a comfort to know that the Lord is their shepherd. And we can have peace knowing that they shall not want. Mm -hmm.